0: Welcome to episode 41 of No Block Sports. I'm your host, Jason Green, and we are now on Spotify. Um, I uploaded the... I'm on Anchor, and it linked us to Spotify, so now you can check us on Spotify. And you can, when I drop this episode, you can hit the link. But as of just like this episode, all other 40 episodes, we have a lot to get to. Um, game 1 of the NBA Finals was last night. I'm going to give you my thoughts on how the rest of the series... What play out, what the Heat need to change, what the Lakers did really really, really what did really well. Um, the LB playoffs are here. I'm just going to give you some quick thoughts, nothing too deep, on who I think will win, who has the best chances, three teams who I think have a really good chance, and why there should be no ties in football. We're also going to get into the NBA awards and some things they need to change about that. But first, let me get to you what's on my mind. What's on my mind is I was watching Monday Night Football, the biggest Monday Night Football of the year, game of the year, probably over I can't over the last two three years, that was the biggest Monday night game, probably since the Chiefs Rams. That was the biggest Monday night game everyone was excited for. Two premier offences, the two best teams in the NFL facing off head to head and what happened once again. For the fifth straight time, the Super Bowl champion beat the MVP when they were paired head to head, and Lamar Jackson put up another dud in a big time game. And that's not uncommon anymore. Lamar Jackson is 21-4 in his regular season career. Three losses to the Chiefs and one loss to the Browns. He's also 0-2 in the playoffs. So let's just dive into these games. Let's go against the Chiefs first. His first game, he was 13-24 for 147 yards. Two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 14 rushes, 67 yards. Had a 91 quarterback rating. And 63.7 qbr and a 27 to 24 loss now i don't that play that was the fourth and 12 play of patrick holmes rolling out to the right and throwing the absolute nuke the tire kill that he ran back for kind of contradicting myself but it was an absolute amazing play that kept him in the game now those aren't bad numbers right i mean 13 24 yards isn't bad but you accumulate over 200 yards you? you didn't turn over the ball your qbr was good the next game this was in 2019 the they lost 33 to 28 another high scoring game. He had 22 of 43, 267 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, eight rushes, 46 yards and a touchdown, a 70.6 QB rating and a 62.2 QBR. And then last night, he was 15 of 28, 97 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, nine rushes, 83 yards, 73 quarterback rating and a 40.4 QBR. None of those are Bad Now, maybe for him, that's a bad game, but he didn't turn over the ball in any of those games. He accumulated over 200 yards almost in every single one of those games. He also had rushing touchdowns. His QBR in those combined games are above average. His quarterback rating, not so much. But let's look at the playoffs now. In the first year against the Chargers, he was 14 to 29 for 194 yards, two touchdowns, one interceptions, nine rushes, 54 yards, 70.8 quarterback rating, and 11.4 QBR. And a 23 17 loss to the Chargers. And finally, against the Titans last year, a loss of 28 to 12, 31 to 59 for 365 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He had 20 rushes for 143 yards, a 63 quarterback rating, a 30.4 QBR. And why I just told you all of that, every single individual statistic from each of those games, he lost all five. He is 0-5 in the biggest games of his career. He's 0-5. None of the other regular season games, you could say his first couple games mattered to prove that he was an NFL. But once everyone knows he started winning, you can go look at every single game he played and the five best teams he has played in the man- when it matters most he has lost in a game that actually matters in the game that defenses rise to the top he has lost and he hasn't looked good and it reminds me of someone that is an all-time offensive talent an all-time talent that revolves a, a system around them by the right coaching that can get him to his peak and that is James Harden it's the same way now I'm looking at James Harden's career right and same thing with Lamar Jackson. He puts up some good numbers in this in this game. But when it comes down to it, when you need him most, can he get it done? I'm talking about game six of the Western Conference Finals. Or sorry, the Western Conference semifinals against San Antonio when he was a minus thirty-nine from the floor. Oh sorry, they lost by thirty-nine. He was a minus twenty-eight from the floor. He was two of nine from the field. I'm looking back. When they, when they lost Game 7 and Game 6 with no Chris Paul. And he wasn't, I would say, great. He was a minus 13 one time. was a minus 19 the other time. He shot a combined 6 of 25 from 3. He was 10 and 24 one game, 12 and 29 another game. Now, he put up numbers, right? This is the thing about James Harden and Lamar Jackson. And people are going to get confused. Every single year, they're going to put up numbers. And they're going to look really good on the stat sheet. And they're probably going to win some games. Right? But what does it matter? Right? Like what does it matter if you're not in the postseason? Oh sorry, if you don't win in the postseason. James Harden has never been able to win the postseason. Yes, he came as close as you could get, and I'm a big James Harden supporter. Right? He lost game seven to the Warriors, and I'm never gonna knack him for that. But he also lost game six to when in game four and five and six or oh, sorry, Game 5, Kevin Durant got hurt, and in Game 6, they lost in Houston. I am going to knock him for having a double-digit lead in both in Game 6 and 7 and losing to Golden State. And I am going to knock him for losing with no Kawhi Game 6 in Houston. Or I think that was actually in San Antonio. But still losing Game 6 with no Kawhi Leonard. And you were in the entire game. I don't care you beat Oklahoma City. I don't care that you almost won another MVP and you average 35 points a game. I don't care Lamar Jackson will lead the NFL in rushing as a quarterback and put up absurd numbers every single year. It doesn't matter. I don't think the Ravens are going to lose another game this entire year. I think they'll go 14-2, 15-1, and 13-3, and be the first seed in the AFC. Well, the Chiefs will maybe take their foot off the gas a little bit, and the Ravens once again won't. Because greatness was on the other side. Right? Every time James Harden plays, yeah, he's great. Offensive numbers are great. Obviously, he doesn't play defense just like Lamar Jackson. and You can't really affect the other side. And obviously, the Ravens' defense wasn't great that night. But they weren't bad in 2013-17 versus the Chargers. Right, I would say they were pretty good in the first couple games with the Chiefs. I don't say they were bad. And I don't think they were really bad against Titans. It's all about... Same thing with James Harden and Lamar Jackson. Can they make the play? Can they make the play? And for the first three years Lamar Jackson's career, I know it's early. You're thinking, Jason, you're harping on the kid. You want to put him at an MVP level? You want to put him at a consistent MVP level every single year? You cannot be 0-5 in your five biggest games. Just like I would say in James Harden's five biggest games. I'm not going to count the NBA Finals 2012. I'm going to Game 7 of 2017, Game 6, and twenty and six and 2018, I'm going to count Game 6 in, 20, in 20, 2017. I would say those are the four biggest games in James Harden's career, and he is 0-4. He has never won the biggest game of his career, and neither is Lamar Jackson. Both of them are great offensive talents that I'm not sure, and I actually believe, neither of them can win a championship with their style of play and maybe that changes if some things happen and maybe i'm wrong by the end of the year and the baltimore ravens shock and win a super bowl but i said last year they weren't super bowl contenders because they did the same thing to us the year before and i'm not putting them as super bowl contenders to i see them win a playoff game and that is what's on my mind all right so before we get into the finals game last night i want to talk about the nba voting for a brief three to five minutes 111 people voted or yeah, for these awards, right? And 15 of them voted for LeBron James for MVP. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but I want to get to the issue with these voting and how some people don't take it seriously. I'm going to tell you what they got right and what they got wrong. For First of all, let's go to Defensive Player of the Year. How is Ben Simmons not a top three Defensive Player of the Year candidate? In the highest percentage of guarding the number one option, Ben Simmons has done that. He guarded the best option on every single team. That's all you ask him to do. Rudy Gobert can't do that. Anthony Davis can't do that. And Giannis didn't do that. Ben Simmons did that. That is how you're supposed to win Defensive of the Year. And now, that is not a knock on what Rudy Gobert can do because obviously they're centers and they're big men. But why is that not helping Ben Simmons's case. I just don't know where the voters were thinking there. I think Ben Simmons might be the best defensive player in the NBA. That's why I remember I did a matzo on my mind segment. I did his uh differences between them when he's guarding them, the shooting percentage when he's guarding them when he's not. And it was absurd. He's a defensive monster. There's nothing he can't do. He also led the NBA in steals. So not sure where this came from. But Let's go to the rookie of the year voting, right? So one guy didn't vote for John Moran, this guy named Joe Crowley. And I just want to dis- let's dissect his reasoning, right? His tweet was, and I quote, first of all, I love, I absolutely love that. I didn't know they revealed the votes. Is this new that they reveal who voted for who? Because I don't remember that because I would love to know who re- voted for a carmel anthony for mvp in 2013 and who didn't vote for lebron for defensive play of the year that and i'm gonna get to that in a second actually i can get to that right now um for defensive play of the year but i mean that is unbelievable that LeBron and Marcus all got second team, but that is a whole nother story and all gets that second. But Joe Crowley, Jay Crowley hoops, I think covers the Chicago Bulls. So then I quote, add Ja John Morant. Ja is a transcendent player. No arguing that, but the rookie of the year should go to the most impactful. The NBA built a TV schedule around Zion and expanded the bubble for Zion. His 24 games were must-see TV. I'll take that 24 and change, change per, and stand, I think he meant PR, and stand on that side history. So let's dissect this. Most impactful, The Pelicans didn't make the playoffs. They didn't have a winning record. Um, The NBA built a TV schedule around Zion, expanded a bubble for Zion. That actually may be true, and I can't argue that. But how does that make you the rookie of the year? You have to play. No rookie has ever played 24 games and won rookie of the year. The closest was Allen Iverson, who won like 65. Joe Embiid played 41 and deserved it, but Malcolm Brodden got it because he played more games. I didn't hear any complaining about that. I wonder if Joe Crowley voted for them. It just amazes me. Like this, and if you say, yo, unanimous doesn't matter, it does matter. Like we're going to look back at this in history. That's why when Steph Curry is the first unanimous MVP, I laugh. Like, I mean, that's great, man. It's awesome for Steph Curry. But LeBron should have won in 2013. You're telling me Michael Jordan should never have won unanimous MVP. You're telling me Shaq should have never won unanimous MVP. I believe he was one vote off as well. It is just asinine and ridiculous and it doesn't make any sense so joe crowley i respect you for having your own opinion but as i say to some of my friends your opinion is just wrong 24 games makes no sense they didn't have a winning record if Ja, jo- if he was the rookie of the year and he was that impactful he would have gotten the pelicans applause after they had the easiest schedule in the bubble to begin it and it didn't end farther than when they began he couldn't even play he was playing 18 minutes her game in the 18 minutes a game when they got into the bubble he never even got a chance to really really play and that's not on him but that doesn't mean he should be defensive for our rookie of the year so I'm going to go to defensive for team first of all Kawhi Leonard got second team all defender when he played like 52 percent of the Clippers possessions this year not sure how you get that? And Pat Bev, I believe, was like forty-eight percent of the Clippers' defense possessions. So I'm not sure how, if you don't play over like seventy, the majority or majority is over fifty-two. But I mean, got Pat Bev got plurality, and he still got it. So I'm not sure how they got on that. But let's look at this a voter. Here's a particular voter. So I mean, this thing, this is the reason things need change. I got two examples, right? Nick Wright tweeted. Who, if you don't know, Nick Wright he's on Fox Sports One. First things first. He said one particular Embry voted. NBA award voter, who had Luka and Drummond on first-team all-defense, Christos Porzingis, Russell Westbrook, and Hassan Whiteside on second-team all-defense. His offensive player of the year bout had Drummond first and Hassan Whiteside second. He also had Brandon Ingram, Andre Drummond, and Trey Young on his all-team second NBA. His all-team second NBA. And he finishes the tweet by saying he clearly doesn't watch the league he votes on. How seems like a lot of these people... Have that and you and like that guy shouldn't vote next year. He shouldn't vote. I'm down for the players to vote, but I believe the players have voted before and it hasn't gone that well. I don't know the best way to vote. I really don't. Maybe it's the GMs. You get all 30 league GMs, you get all 30 head coaches, right? That's 60. And head scouts, the best basketball minds. I mean, that's 90, and then some media members, like your head, head, like one from each network, and you can get around 100 from there. I'd say 101 is what you need. All right, yeah, 1586 right, was LeBron vote, or 1685. So maybe that's how you do it. I, some of these NBA writers are biased because they cover these teams. Not like Joe Crowley was biased. He didn't nothing to do John Moran. He was a Chicago guy. But the Andre Drummond first-team all-defense, like who is this guy? Andre is Drummond, a fine defensive player. And Hassan I had a very good defensive year. I think he led the NBA in blocks. But come on, man. He's an opportunistic blocker. He's not really a defender blocker, if that makes sense. But now I want to get to the MVP. I really have no issue with most improved player of the year. I didn't think Devontae Graham deserved it. He played more minutes. He still shot 37% from the field. That's not good. Brandon Ingram deserved it, no doubt. I have no issue with coach of the year, no issue with executive of the year, but I do have an issue with MVP. And I have an issue with MVP because it's not that Giannis didn't deserve the MVP. He's the first MVP in defensive play of the year since Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan. Third time in NBA history, which is a humongous accolade. It's not like I don't think he deserved it. It's that the narrative changed. It's just how did LeBron go from he plays in the weak East so, yeah, he plays in the weak East. It's a cakewalk every single year. It doesn't really matter to Giannis playing in the weak East, and all of a sudden, it's very impressive. All of a sudden, the number one seed means something in the East. All of a sudden, LeBron, the hard West, he couldn't tackle the hard West, and he gets the number one seed. I remind you that the Bucs were in the playoffs last year. I remind you the Lakers were not. I remind you the Lakers play in the Western Conference. The Bucks. Do not. I remind you for the second straight year, the Bucks have disappointed in the playoffs and Giannis has another bad playoff series and I get it. It's a regular season award, but I would actually change that. I would only change MVP to a regular season and playoff award. And I'm serious when I say that. Only MVP. Your first team, all NBA, second team, all NBA, third can all be in the regular season. But your MVP should be regular season and playoffs and people really don't think i'm um, people guess that really doesn't really make sense and obviously it has a lot of things to work through but that's what i'm doing i mean the playoffs are where the most valuable players shine how can you be a true mvp if you're not in the real situations i mean 45 of your games in the regular season don't mean anything if you're a good team win or lose you're gonna make the playoffs yeah seeding Does matter. But did it matter for the Miami Heat? No, they clicked at the right time. This proves that Jimmy Butler is a lot more valuable and should be viewed in the MVP conversation a lot more differently. You can't go all out 82 games to win MVP. Some people just can't if they want to. Giannis obviously had the ability to do it again this year. But I just don't like how the narrative changed. Then if he got LeBron got sixteen votes or fifteen votes out of eighty, out of 102, or 101. Which is the biggest margin gap if he'd ever come second. LeBron's coming second four times in his career in MVP. Four times. That's tied with Jerry West and Larry Bird for the most in NBA history. You can't tell me after watching game one of the NBA finals last night and this entire playoff series that LeBron's not and still the most valuable player in the NBA. And it's not even close. I just don't know where. Once again, the narrative changed and somehow LeBron is still underappreciated. All right, so let's actually talk about that game last night, just the way my schedule lines up and when I can record episodes, drop them on Thursdays. So I had to wait till game one of the Finals. I did tweet Lakers in six. So That's my official prediction. I'm putting that out right there. You can go back on Twitter page at Sports one and that's where you can find it. But let's dissect last night's game. Now it's only game one, okay? It's only game one. But here's some things I, I mean, I noticed. Let's just look at the numbers real quick. The Heat and the Lakers were one point tied at 11 threes. Right? And the game was a blowout. That is what amazes me. Lakers shot 15 to 38 from three. Lakers shot 11 to 35. This is simple. This is real simple. If the Lakers equal the heat in three-pointers made, the series is over in five, four, maybe. This is not going the distance. You need, I tweeted this, when the Lakers, they shot a combined, I mean, like 16 of 86 or something like that. 26 of 86 and their three losses in three. It's like 29%. That is abysmal or less. It's like 24%. It's abysmal. But yet they were competitive in all three of those games. If the Lakers just shoot an average percentage from three, they are so hard to beat. They are so hard to beat. Now, a couple things I noticed early in the game, right? Obviously, hopefully Bam out of bio is healthy. Hopefully, Goran Dragic will come back and play. Because obviously, without either of those two, it is going to make it, I mean, without Bam, you're done. But Goran Dragic, Kendrick Nunn can play that role. Okay, I'm not saying he's as good as Goran Dragic, but he plays the same exact role that Goran Dragic plays, and he actually looked good last night. Something I'll give the Heat credit for is they fought. They kept fighting and fighting and fighting, and it reminds me of Game 3. No, yes, Game 3 of the NBA Finals in 2015. Cleveland was blowing out Golden State, right? And they took a 2-1 lead, and obviously Cleveland was the worst team, but... What got Golden State going in that series is Steve Kerr implemented David Lee, and David Lee put a spark at the end of that game and made it look good, and no one thought of it at the time. But then David Lee was a key factor in games 4, 5, and 6, as he was uh, he was just a different look that the Cavs weren't prepared for. If you look at the game last night, I mean, Kendrick Nunn came in and shot 8 for 11 for 18 points. Kenny O'Linick came in. Derek Jones Jr., you had some guys that weren't playing before that maybe got them a rhythm and maybe giving the Heat a different, i uh, sorry, the Lakers, a different look that they will not be prepared for. But let's just go to some takeaways I saw. Takeaway number one, no one in the NBA can guard Anthony Davis. I can't think of a single player or single team that matches up except maybe the Bucs. Maybe the Bucks. And the, and the Sixers, I guess, if they went their double big. Right? But this double big that the Lakers do, it forces Bam Adebayo to guard Dwight Howard, which is fine, right? It's what you want. And Bam Adebayo was killing that on the other side of the ball. But now you got Jay Crowder and Anthony Davis. Right? When you put the double big, and all the Heat did, they just doubled him. You did the right play, you got Anthony Davis' hands. But if you don't double him, he's just going to shoot over you. They did double him. He's smart enough to make the right pass, and the Lakers knocked down the threes. You're picking your poison, obviously. Obviously, you're going to go with not a good shooting team shooting threes, but they hit him last night. All they did is they just they hit him, they hit him, and they hit him. 15 of 38 is excellent. And I'm telling you, 11 of 35 isn't bad 31% isn't isn't good but isn't bad some things are like Jimmy Butler shot the ball well last night I thought he played great when he was playing 8 of 13 2 of 4 and I think he was going at LeBron that's the second thing he's got to do he's got to go at LeBron he attacked him early he's got to continue to attack him the heat started the game 23 to 10 the Lakers then went on a 71 to 21 run or something like that it was unbelievable the Lakers just dominated him in all facets of the game but let's talk about some performances like KCP had 13 points Danny Green had 11 points and we're going to talk about a very interesting matchup I want to talk about is the is the shooting is the shooters you got Danny Green and KCP versus Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson right they actually play very similar roles they're both knocked down three-point shooters the the Heat are more on the motion side and the Lakers are more on the catch and shoot side because they play off LeBron while Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero play off Bam bio and curls and flexes and all that and backdoor screens it's very similar to the warriors but if you look at the numbers right if you want to play even duncan robinson had zero points last night he was zero three from the field he was over three from three and not like he shoots anything else but tyler curio had 14 on six of 18 as you're combined six of 21 from your knockdown shooters two of 11 from three you're not gonna win like that if you're the heat i'm optimistic because i couldn't think i don't think it can get any worse than it did last night you got out shot from three right you got out rebounded by 18. you had three less assists um the turnovers let's see they had 12. the heat had 15. you turned the ball over more AD had a monster game. LeBron had a monster game. They shot a combined 20 for 38. They also shot a combined four for eight from three. You just got outboarded. You got outmanhandled. And it's okay. It's game one. Listen, LeBron is two and eight now and it's game one. I'm not saying the series is over. Anyone that thinks the series is just flat out over. It's not true. A team like the Miami Heat can get hot and they can get hot fast. But things they gotta change, obviously. you got to get Duncan Robinson going early. You gotta get Tyler Hero. I I think the Heat should switch to a lineup. I think if they go down in the series, I'm starting Tyler Hero and I'm having Jimmy run the point straight up, and I'm having Hero, Robinson, Butler, Jay Crowder, Bam Adebayo. Everyone on the lineup can shoot, and I like Kendrick Nunn or Gordon Dragic can't shoot, right? But you need this. You need to get the Lakers' defense confused. They are so good one on one. Also, an They are just so good. Also, interesting stat. Bam Adebayo had zero assists last night. Zero. One of the best, second-best passing big in the NBA. Had zero last night. AD dominated with 34-9-5. He is right now the leader for Finals MVP. I think LeBron will get it. I mean, Danny Green and Tavis Cobb-Pub combined for 24. They outdid their shooters. You'll get the more defensive side of the ball for KCP and Danny Green. But you'll get more of the knockdown three-point shooting on the Heat side, and defense took game one. I'm kind of interested where this goes, because even the bench played well for the Lakers. Listen, Caruso had 10 in 20 minutes. Rondo had 7, 3, and 4 in 25 minutes. Markeith Morris had 8. I mean, you got to combine 11, 18, 21. you got to combine 31 points from your bench, and you want to count 28. It wasn't just AD and LeBron last night. You had three other guys go in double digits now i talk about what's that third guy it looked like it was kcp early who was that third guy for the heat it looked like jay crowder early but then they both kind of fainted and jimmy butler and bam out of bio could not keep up with ad and lebron so i'm sticking with with the lakers in six but things that need to be changed there's a lot of things that need to be changed in the series eric spolster is very good at making adjustments I believe that he can get it done. I had the Lakers in 6 as I thought they were just a better basketball team on both sides of the ball. The only thing the Miami Heat have over them is 3-point the shooting. And if they can get hot, they can get this series competitive. I gave them 6. But right if they, if that if that replicates in game 2, they can't stop AD. You Here's the thing. You can't just double AD. He's too big. And he'll get over the top and he'll hit a knockdown shooter. They have good knockdown shooters. I was always surprised the Lakers didn't hit. Danny Green and KCP are good shooters. Marquise Morris is a fine shooter. Kuzma is a fine shooter. I'll even take LeBron on wide open threes. But when LeBron's out of the game and it's Rondo, they went to that zone, which I thought was really smart. And Bam Adebayo has to be on the floor at all times. Anthony Davis is on the floor. It literally can't go either way. You need him on him. So when he's just the solo guy out there, Bam Adebayo's got to be the solo guy out there. That's the the first adjustment I make. Whenever LeBron James is out there, Jimmy Butler's got to be out there. That's the second adjustment I make. And the third adjustment I make is, if Goran Dragic is out and he can't play, I'm not starting Kendrick Nunn. I'm starting Tyler Hero, and I'm making my lineup a lot more motion, even though it already is, to get the Lakers defense moving. Because once again, they put on an absolute clinic. They put on an absolute clinic on the defensive side of the ball last night as the best defensive team that there was. Really um, top five with Toronto and the Bucks, Top three defensive team all season long. I can't wait till Friday night, that's all I'm going to say. Um, would I be shocked if the Heat won? No. I don't see it happening, but I'll stick with my prediction with uh, Lakers in six. All right. It's time to talk about something that I'm very passionate about ties i hate ties I'm not talking about the ones you put on your clothes obviously ties in sports i don't get it i'll never understand it and once again we had another tie on sunday 23 23 eagles Bengals. also fun fact that's the third straight year a number one overall pick has tied isn't that crazy um i think that's a wild um stat but so how would I fix the tie in the NFL? Does the MLB tie? No, they go into extra innings. Does the NHL tie? No, they go into a shoot- or a five-minute period and then a shootout. Does the NBA tie? No, they go into overtimes. The soccer tie? Yes. And that's why Americans don't really, I mean, they obviously like soccer, but it's not football. It's not basketball to them. Even though a lot of people do play soccer. It is the most popular sport in the world. I, there's not many sports that tie. It's not a thing. The spelling bee ties, and I hate it. It doesn't make any sense to me. So how am I fixing overtime changes that can be made? Here's the first thing I do: eliminate kickoffs. No kickoffs in OT. You start at the 25, and you just play. Here's option number one: no kickoffs. You start at the 25. Each team gets one possession, no matter what—touchdown or field goal. Right? There'll be a, There'll still be a time clock of a 10 minute or a 15 minute period. Or, yeah, a 10-minute period, but so, yeah, no, so you can still take the entire time. You can really go, or two, here's option number two. Go back to 15 minutes and just play it out because then it gives them more time. The way it's constructed right now, it kind of constructs for a tie. You could see that that late in the game that they didn't want to do anything. The Bengals ran two times back in their own end zone, and obviously you wanted to be safe, but then they threw the deep ball in third, like, oh, shoot, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And then the Eagles got conservative at the end. Like, it it, it has conservative play, and it's not entertainment to watch. And Doug Peterson ended up punting. I mean, they had the 62-yard field goal, but then once it got— or they had the 57, once it got 62, they punted. So, it just—here's option number two. You go to the college way, start him at the the 30— right and just play from there one team gets each possession whatever happens and I think that might be better because I don't think you'll be you'll see scoring as often as you would in college and it would be entertaining and more competitive option number three you start at the 50 yard line each team gets one possession but there's no punting and but there's no punting you have to go for it on fourth down so you can kick the field goal but you have to go for it on fourth down and also one option that was said to me by my friend Gary who I work for at the waterboys said after your 10 minute period at like hockey there's a shootout there's a Pound-ish, um shootout in soccer a kickoff you start from the 10 kick a field goal each person kicks it obviously if one team misses then the other team will have the chance to win and you just go back and forth and you keep going 10 yards back every single time shout out Gary for that proposal I think that's absolutely awesome the tie has to change like it is not Away, it, it just there's no if you want to say more time on the field, obviously, more players can get hurt, and I understand that that's why you don't want to go, but that's why just then change it up. Then don't just do a straight regular play, except in the playoffs, right? The MLB just changed their rule, they have a runner on second, and in the playoffs, they changed it back, and it was awesome, and it's great. I think college football should change the rule to that, too. And you play regularly in the college football playoff or in a bowl game. Actually, not in the bowl game, but in the college football playoff. In hockey, you have the shootout, right, in the regular season. But there is no shootout in the postseason. So you can switch it up from regular season to postseason. But I can't watch another team not go for it because they're worried about losing and they end up tying. That's not, a, that's not football. That's not football at all. The tie needs to change immediately. Roger Goodell, I challenge you. Get it done. All right, to end the show today... I'll talk about some baseball. I do enjoy, prior to to belief that I don't talk about baseball on the show, which I don't that often, I do watch majority of the MLB season and majority of the MLB playoffs. And obviously when I'm giving you this, a lot of things have already changed. So the Astros have already won the series, right? The Tampa Bay Rays have already won the series. The Yankees already won the series. And I think that's it. There might be another team that has already won the series but I don't think that's it so our teams are certain fans so anything I'm giving you right is a little unfair but there's three teams that I there's four teams that I liked two teams on each side right obviously I love the Dodgers and the Yankees right I also love the Tampa Bay Rays but I'll tell you why I love the Yankees over the Rays because they can just mash the hell out the ball Shane Bieber in Game One, Triple Crown winner. They put up seven on them in less than three innings, or less than yeah, less than four innings. Just mashed on them. Their lineup is just so good and deep, and just hits dingers. And that's just gonna work for you sometimes in the playoffs if you can get hot. In the first two games, they annihilated a great pitching staff. And their hitting came in clutch. Brad Hand was sixteen for sixteen. And they won't. I love the Tampa Rays because they won one of the best pitching staffs in baseball, and they actually one of the lowest salaries. I think their salary is like thirty million or something like that. It's like absurd. Um, I love the Padres, but I don't love the Padres anymore because Mike Clevenger is out. So I don't. Can't, it's hard to give you an official prediction, right? I also love the White Sox. But they're also down they're tied one one. I love the young squad and Jan Makano, Alois Jimenez, Luis Roberts. I, they brought some good players like Dallas Keichel. And I like and I gave you my best bet the Reds with Trevor Bauer. And now they have Luis Castillo today against the Anderson. And they lost one nothing in thirteen innings. Some interesting things. The twins have lost seventeen straight playoff games dating back to two thousand four. That is unbelievable, and I'm sorry, Minnesota. You can change your fandom if you want. Number two, the Marlins have never lost the playoff series. They've never lost the playoff series. They won the World Series in 1997, and they won the World Series in 2003. Only two times have been the playoffs. They've also never, never, won. Um, they never won the division, the NL East. They've never won it. They went in the wild card both times, and they're up one nothing. So if you want to throw a sneaky Hail Mary bet, just go on the side of history and throw in the Marlins. But there's one team that I think will finally get it done after all these years, and I think it's the Dodgers. Listen, just top to bottom, they're just too deep. I actually haven't heard—I actually think Clayton Kershaw might be hurt or out, and I should have looked this up before, and that's why I have no issue. I'm going to give you this authenticity— Of me looking this up. But they have Walker Buehler. They got Dusty May. They got now Mookie Betts is there. Cody Bellinger. Corey Seager. They just don't have a weakness. They just don't have a weakness. I think against the Yankees pitching. Their lineups are equal against the Yankees pitching. It is better. I'll take the Dodgers over the Yankees. In all seriousness. In six games to win the world series this year but in baseball anything can happen it's the hardest i mean especially in these best of three like you'll say good for houston The twins were probably the better team in a regular season series and like a five six five seven series. twins might have won but houston just won the first two you can get out of these early rounds you know and just have two great games and beat a team that was better than you so I'll take the Dodgers to win the World Series. I know they're a prohibited favorite, but I truly believe that this is their year. So I'll take the Dodgers over the Yankees in the World Series. All right, so that's the show. Remember to like, comment, subscribe. Uh, Follow me on NoBlockSports1 on Twitter. You can also check out all the episodes on NoBlockSports.com. Remember, we moved also to Anchor, a streaming service that lets you obviously stream on other devices. So right now it's on Spotify. I'm going to get it on everything else, but you can listen through the Anchor app. You can listen to the Anchor app, and you also listen to Connected through Spotify. So hopefully you guys tune in that. That gets more people to listen. in. um, yeah, like, comment, subscribe. Um, next episode coming in. Hopefully I'm, I'm gonna start. I'm really gonna start getting these episodes every single Thursdays. Come up with more stuff. Obviously sports are ending now, so I had to get more stuff in. But you know I can't wait to talk about more stuff. So I'll see you guys next Thursday.